Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, buds? This end hit along the wall. Puck to the left point. Kept in by Orpik. Down in front of shot. And they score! And it's Devontae Smith Pelly on a save at a left point. DSP save of the day. We're tied at three with 10 08 to go. How about Devontae? The Caps with life here in game five. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young. And today we have JP, who has uh, really agreed to do some pinch hit duty today. This is kind of the start of the baseball season, using that metaphor. Uh, with Adam being busy at work uh, and me not being busy at work and, uh, you know, kind of announcing to the world that I'm going to be leaving the country in a little bit, I figured uh, this would be a good time to bring JP on. So, uh, J- JP, John Press, how, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, it's nice to have such a slugger coming off the bench here, uh, pinch hitting <laughs> for for that uh, you know light hitting middle infielder in middle infielder that Stringham is. So uh, you, you know go. I'm I'm here to to see what we can do. You're gonna uh, you're gonna bring bring the thump here, which is yeah, uh, the exactly. I mean, of course, the news being that Juan Soto is now on the DL, so kind of taking uh, you know taking his place a little bit, although different sport different everything so whatever let's just let's let's forget that metaphor and dive right in so let's not uh, not associate ourselves with this year's washington nationals yeah they're bad and also like everything has gone wrong they're just uh, uh well i mean thankfully things have not all gone wrong for the washington capitals the team that we are assigned to cover here uh i'm gonna give myself a b minus for that transition uh but um i jp where where are you at on the caps right now just I'll, I'll I'll start broad and then we can kind of narrow it. I got I got some different things we can discuss. But let let's start broad. Where are you at with the Caps right now? Uh, I, I'm looking forward to them gearing up for the playoffs. Hopefully, turning their game around a little bit and uh, getting a little more focus, a little more attention to detail. Uh, I think they probably like every one of us is sick to death of seeing the same uh seven teams so often and of course of course they're gonna have to see uh at least two more of them if they want to do anything in the playoffs but um you know i think that we've been through some of the dog days of this season and hopefully that's all it is with the caps because uh they've been pretty uneven there was a uh, a legitimately great stretch uh where the team was just crushing it through 
you know, maybe late February through the end of March ish. Uh, And uh, what came before that was you could chalk up to learning curve and what's come since that. Uh, hopefully you can chalk up to, to just kind of boredom or looking ahead or whatever. Hopefully you can, you can chalk it up to something other than that's who they are, right? Because if that's who they are, uh, this isn't going to be a very long, uh, spring. Well, I mean, I guess it's going to be a long spring because it's <laughs> April friggin' 20th and we're still, we still got like 10 games in the regular season, but you know what I mean? It, yeah, no, no, absolutely. The playoff run, uh, won't be very fruitful if uh this is the team that they are um so they're uneven uh i'm uneven with them uh we're uneven <laughs> with each other yes i well that's that's the, the tricky part right is i like i was gone in denmark for a week and i missed uh what i've been told is a pretty uh uninspiring <laughs> like four or five games uh you know, fe- featuring quite a few losses and kind of uneven play. And I think since that, since I've come back, I've seen the Caps look really good against the Flyers, which, I mean, who knows really what that means. And then right. look fine, I would say, against Boston. Not not great. And definitely, like, you know, you don't want to you don't want to lose, like, that 5-3 game. Like, there definitely were big stretches where, you know, I think that they had some pretty uneven defensive coverage, to put it charitably. Sure. But they weren't, they weren't run out of the building by the no. Bruins or anything no, like that. No, not at all. Yeah, and then, like, I mean, to me, it's, it's, we talk about dog days, and obviously that's going to be magnified with COVID, but also the thing is that it's even, I think, two factors that kind of compound that is the Caps are one of the oldest teams in, I think, the oldest team still in the league, and they basically had a playoff spot locked up since, like, they went on that first heater in February. Like, I mean, and you could say, okay, like, if they went, like, oh eight and two or something they would like fall out but realistically speaking i think we knew that this was a playoff team from really that first hot stretch and also kind of the fate of the flyers as being a potential rival really for a playoff spot so i mean like i think the players know that too right (laughs) like they know that they've had a spot locked up but the problem is that like some and, and we've seen this with the caps before and we see this with other teams around the league that uneven play could kind of beget uneven play Right. That like just because you have a playoff spot locked up and you kind of do this floating thing at the end of the last couple of months, like sometimes you can flip that switch and sometimes sometimes you can't. So I don't know, like I guess, JP, I'm like I'm maybe a little concerned, but also I just don't really know. And I think that might have been a two minute answer of me saying I don't really know. <laughs> well, I mean, and I think that's right. I don't think anybody knows. I mean, you know, we've we've. How many times have we sat here with 10 games left in the season in the past decade and thought, okay, time to flip the switch or, or something like that? And, yes. uh, you know, I, there it doesn't work. There, there's no switch to, to really flip. I mean, sometimes uh, things get righted. But, uh, you know, Bruce Boudreaux used to say the only thing that's free are, are bad habits. I'm sure he didn't make that up. But, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> he used to say it. I, I wouldn't so. put it past him for having made that up, though. He definitely <laughs> so, had a way with words. Yeah. Not, not always a good way with words, but definitely a way with them. So, yeah, they, uh, you know, and they've developed some some bad habits. I mean, this is a team that, uh, you know, during that stretch of games uh, from February to March through March, uh, they were playing some pretty stifling defense. Um, and now uh, their their defense is uh, porous at times. I, I mean, at times just just atrocious to watch. And, uh, you know, I think 
probably age has something to do with it. The condensed schedule has something to do with it. Uh, Peter Laviolette hasn't given his veteran defenseman much time off at all, uh, except when they get a little nicked up. Uh, like I, I think Tre- Trevor Ram- Van Riemsdyk just played his first game in a while. Uh, and it was cause Chara was, uh, had blocked, uh, a couple shots or whatever the game before. And, and now, you know, Chara might be a little banged up. Justin Schultz might be a little banged up. So, uh, I think there's cause for concern, but uh, at the same time, we've seen how well this team can play when they're playing well, uh, and that's reason for optimism. So, you know, it, it is it is a mixed bag, and like just like most years, you know, the Caps' uh, biggest enemy is themselves sometimes, yes. and <laughs> uh, it's a team that can. Uh, when they're playing well, they can beat absolutely anyone. And when they're playing poorly, uh, it can look really fucking ugly. And, uh, you know, that that's where this team is right now, uh, yeah. unfortunately, uh, heading into the playoffs. And so, you know, which one are you going to get? I don't know. And uh, the big test come playoff time, of course, is going to be uh, now that they have a bona fide NHL head coach who is known for being able to coach in the playoffs, being able to make those adjustments uh, in a way that his predecessor uh, really showed he could not at this point in his uh, career. Uh, we'll see what that looks like. Um, you know, but the fact of the matter is the four teams that make the playoffs out of the East are, you know, are coached by, uh, you know, Trotz, Sullivan, uh, LaViolette, and Cassidy and uh, I don't think pretty, Sullivan, pretty good head coaches. All, yeah, all I don't think Sullivan's. There. I don't think Sullivan's won a Jack Adams, but I mean he he could have. Uh, like two cups, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean I could be wrong on that, but uh, you know all of these guys uh, have been reputed as great head coaches and, and have uh, the body of work to back it up in the past uh, handful of years. So. Um, the East is uh, going to look interesting, and uh, you know, I th- well, I think we'll get back to that uh, in a little bit. But uh, the bottom line being uh, that if you think you know what you're going to get out of the Caps, uh, it's uh, I don't know that <laughs> I don't it, think it, they even know. Sometimes you know, it kind of I, I, I like I, I look at like the the Buffalo game for instance, where like I mean they, you come off like the really exciting ceremony with Nicholas Backstrom. Granted, no one's there, so you know that that might might be a bit of a downer. But then they come and play like just really uninspired, lazy hockey that I think was really frustrating to watch. But you kind of talked about coaches a little bit across the East, and I want to bring us back to Laviolette. I, I asked you, I think a couple of months ago, kind of what your initial impressions on Laviolette were as a coach, and. Uh, like I, I'm going to ask you to update those a little bit. Like where do, where do we think on Laviolette as a coach and kind of, are you satisfied with what you've seen so far? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was a hundred percent correct on my thoughts on him and you can go back and check because <laughs> <laughs> now I, I don't, I don't necessarily remember what I said then. Uh, I don't think my opinion on him has changed much. Uh, I'm a fan. I think he's done a good job uh, with this team. It, it it looked a lot better uh, at the end of that stretch in uh, that ended in March than it does right now. But 
you know, fact of the matter is it's not Peter Laviolette out there giving up one bad goal a game every single game. It, it you know, it, it's it, he, I think he's done a good job with his lineup. Um, he's done a good job with his roster. He probably should have been a little more proactive in uh, resting some of his older players, perhaps, but uh, you know, it's time to do that for what, of course, absolutely. I mean, they've got the playoffs. I don't think start until probably the uh, like mid May. So he's got almost a month. That's going to maybe be extended because the, the NHL's insane decision to play all those Vancouver games. So yeah, Yeah, they, they have time to kind of rectify this, I think. They do. And, uh, you know, we'll see if maybe the the recent uh, couple little uh, injuries on the blue line might prompt him to, to be. But I mean, you know, who am I to, to second guess that kind of stuff? Um, I mean, the reality is that he's taken a team that uh, most people around the league uh, said, is is this the year they fall off the table? You know, which is the same thing they've been saying for uh, three or four years now. But and they've resisted that even under, you know, under various um, qualities of coaches, let's say. Uh, <laughs> but but he I mean, I think he's done a good job. The uh, special teams are good. The team is uh the top scoring team in the league at five on five. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, they're, they're outperforming um, the underlying metrics and their expected goals, but this is a team that always does that. Not, not to this extreme uh, extent that they are right now, but uh, th- this is uh, a good team and he's got them playing well. And uh, I mean, where you really, you know, Todd Reardon had this team winning divisions too. So uh, where he's really going to make his money uh, is in the playoffs, in those uh, head-to-head chess matches with with these other uh, terrific coaches. And it'll be interesting to see. And, um, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic that he is going to do well. I, I still have no problem with the hire. Um, I know, I know some people probably, uh, whose names might rhyme with, uh, banana, uh, might, uh, might disagree with how he's handled some of his players, but, um, you know, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to question a guy who's taken three teams to the cup, uh, on how he deals with individual personalities and that kind of thing. No, that makes sense. And I mean, it's, it's interesting because I mean, like you look at the caps and their expected goals right now is basically a coin flip, right? And you look at how they're kind of doing it and it's, I mean, we, we've talked about this before, you know, it's kind of they've done a better job, I think a little more inconsistent over the last couple of weeks. So they've done a better job in terms of suppressing shots uh, and some more, more, more to the point, suppressing high danger chances. That's something that, you know, for a while they really this year, they think they've, they've done reasonably well. And so as sure. a result, you see an X and then kind of, related to that letting the cap shooting talent kind of do what they do and so you look at the numbers which i'm looking at right now and i like as a result the caps have again the highest shooting percentage at 5v5 in the league and mm-hmm. so their their xg is like basically 50 percent, and then their their actual goals is 55 and i mean that's 
I, like, I mean, maybe that works. Like that that could that could be a path. Now, now again, like, and we talked about that we just don't know what that's gonna be like in the playoffs because we don't. And obviously, as you've talked about, the playoffs is all adjustments. And one adjustment that Laviolette has made, and he did this while I was gone, unhelpfully, is uh he he has since promoted uh Dmitry Orlov back to the first pair and uh kind of unceremoniously put uh put uh, Brenda Dillon on the second pair so I know that this didn't really work the first four or five games when he tried it but oh I kind of what did you think about that little swap there and kind of what uh, do you do you think the the second chance of uh Orlov and Carlson has paid off or do you think kind of the downstream effects particularly of putting Justin Schultz and Brendan Dillon together kind of mitigate that uh any potential gain they could get there yeah it's it's tough because uh no disrespect to Brendan Dillon, but I think he's having the roughest go of it, uh, of any of their, he's been bad, their, hasn't he? <laughs> that's, that's another way to put it, uh, yeah. <laughs> of, of their, their blue liners. And so, uh, you know, I don't know that you want him in your top pair as a shutdown guy, but, uh, you know, throwing him in that second pair, y- you can't hide him really. I mean, he, I'm all in favor of whatever's going to play him fewer minutes uh, right now, to be completely honest. So putting, moving him from the first pair to the second pair. Okay, let's do it. Uh, I guess you don't really want to touch the third pair that's been of Char and Jensen. That's been so good uh, throughout the whole year, basically um, in, in admittedly managed minutes, but um, so maybe this is the landing spot for him. And it has been a little better, uh, I think, uh, since those those first couple games together. Um, as for Carlson and Orlov, uh, there's no reason it shouldn't work. Uh, they're both mobile. Uh, I think John Carlson gets more shit than he deserves for his defense. Uh, I think that Dmitry Orlov probably the same thing uh you know yep. more shit than he deserves for being a pretty solid defender but uh i really don't think that it it you know i i think that the pairs are fun for us to talk about and it gives us some grist for the mill but uh the reality is that it, it's about this entire team and it's uh, about the uh, t- you know, defense is um, a five-man job at all times, uh, six-man job if you want to count the goalie. But uh, you know, you, you can you can look at the pairs, and uh, it it doesn't necessarily matter who these pair, what your pairs are. Uh, it, it takes a concerted, focused effort from this entire team. Uh, it, it involves the, the forwards. Uh, back checking, forechecking, gap control in the neutral zone, all of it, you know, and uh, so they can make any defensive pair look good. They can make any defensive pair look bad on any given shift. You know, it changes shift to shift. And sure. and in turn, those guys can make the goalies look good or bad. And, and you know, we can talk all we want about how um, if Samsonov and Vanacek could just give this team uh, replacement level average goaltending, they'd be in a better spot and they'd be more comfortable. But um, I, I think that part of that goes to the defense too. You know, you can look at your expected goals against and everything. Um, but, you know, I, I think when you're playing this man-to-man defense, which requires a lot of effort and, you know, mental and physical effort, uh, I think that you, um, some of it, uh, 
ends up on the goalie stat sheet that really owes to to the guys in front of him. That's not to excuse some of the soft goals and the bad rebounds, but um, you know, it really it really is just a, a top to bottom team uh, effort, uh, and it, you know, it falls apart pretty quick if not everybody's pulling on that rope. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, it's we'll talk about the goaltending in a little bit, but it's, it's. I mean, the the interesting thing to me is kind of whether I, I, I want to see, particularly with like the Mantha trade, which I kind of want to get into a little bit now, is I, I, and we talk about kind of the Caps as a whole, and I think one of the things that's interesting is. Uh, like we look at Mantha kind of slotting in there and he's seeming to actually, I mean, he's been on fire since he kind of came onto the team, but I guess before we start going into the downstream effects, I kind of want to just ask you about the Mantha trade. Like I, we haven't had you on since it. And uh, I like, I, I know I talked to Samantha Pell about it and it was kind of a changing of the garden a little bit. And the caps really, I think kind of, I don't want to say cutting bait on Vrana, but I think kind of realizing that it might have been in an untenable position with LaViolette and him. So I guess kind of, do you, do you view this uh, as the Caps like clearly upgrading? Do you think that this was just a move that needed to happen? Like kind of what are you, where are you at on, on Mantha? And uh, particularly given kind of his start to the, to the, uh, his Caps tenure so far. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think it's a clear upgrade. Um you know, on paper, I think it's a clear upgrade in the way that Peter Laviolette is going is going to use Mantha versus the way that he did use Vrana. Um, sure. I, I think it's a clear upgrade in the way that uh, in the difference in the trust that he is going to have with these two players. Um, I, I do think it was cutting bait on Vrana, and you know, part of the the reason for that is, you know, this isn't just uh, Jacob Rana for Anthony Mantha. It's not just Jacob Rana and a couple draft picks to and and Richard Ponick to get rid of Ponick's contract. It's all part of a, a much bigger picture. And that picture is the future of this team. And one big piece of that uh, future was going to be uh, Jacob Rana coming up for uh, restricted free agency this summer yep. with arbitration rights. And, uh, you know, at the same time, you got the big dog needing a new contract. And, you know, if you're going to start planning for Alex Ovechkin's future, you need to to get some cost certainty in other places. And, uh, you know, the reality is that Jacob Ron has put up very good numbers in limited time in his NHL career. His uh, agent probably will go into arbitration if they get to that point and say, here's Anthony Mantha, who has yep. almost <laughs> the same stats as my client. My client got no power play time. Mantha did. Mantha just signed a four year, five point seven million dollar contract we want 6.4 or something. Yep. And, you know, can the Caps commit to Jacob Vrana at $6.4 million? Which would double his salary, by the way. Right. Double his current salary, especially if he has another no-show playoffs. You know, it puts it would have put them in a real tough spot. Not to mention uh, other teams potentially offer sheeting the guy because the Caps would be so tight up against it. So, you know... You get cost certainty with Mantha. You get a guy who they think better fits what they want to do. Certainly, he is a better fit for 
what uh, Peter Laviolette is comfortable doing and wants to do. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think it's obviously the start that he's had has been terrific. I, I don't think he's going to continue on a goal a game pace for too much really? longer. But I mean, <laughs> the, the, these are the bold takes you get when you get wow. me on instead of stringing. Uh, and uh, so, but you know, I, I, I like the fit for, for this team and uh, you know, Thank you, Jake, for uh, being part of the cup team and everything else. But uh, I think that it, it, I guess it was time. And, uh, you know, not for nothing, a trade like this where you trade a guy who's been, I wouldn't say a core guy on this team, but a guy who's been part of this team for uh, a, a while now and was Four part of the years, cup yeah, team. Like that. Yep. It should be like putting smelling salts under the rest of these dudes' noses. Like this team doesn't have many uh, untouchable guys. And if they don't get their shit in a sock, they're going to be – anybody could be moved, really. Sure. Yeah. And I I think the other thing, the the other kind of angle to this that's useful is we talk about that the cat's window is right now, right? And I think we would both sit here and say, look, like – uh, like Alex Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom are still great players, uh, XGYs, whatever that wants to say. They're still great, and maybe this is a team that can still go on a cup run. But you know, it's I think it's it's clear that that window is start. Like I, I know we all hate the window talk, but it, I do think that's an important angle to think about with this trade, in the sense that if your window is right now and you need to win a cup in the next two years, do you really have the kind of time to to try to sort out a laviolette for you know and rana kind of schism does that make right. a ton of sense and to waste that kind of time when you need to go on this run right now so i you know i think it's like all right like you maybe you swap out like two players that you want to say are even one of which is obviously a better fit and it's just it gives you the ease of mind that you don't have to deal with this anymore and you don't have to deal with yep. Brana scoring goals and then allegedly staring at the coach. And I thank God we're not in Toronto where that would be like a three days long story, but still it's just something that like, I don't think the team needs right now. And I I'm on record, not loving this trade, but I think one of the things when you say your window is right now and you try to maximize it is, I mean, maybe, maybe you take like, uh, you know, 70 or 85 cents on the dollar or whatever, however you want to say it. Like maybe that's part of it too. And I think that's something that maybe has gone a little bit ignored here is if you say the windows right now and this trade makes the caps 10% better this year because of cutting bait on, you know, an untenable situation and getting a guy who fits better. To me, that's a trade that makes sense. And in four or five years, they're probably going to be bad anyways. So, you know. Well, I mean, not only that, I mean, like you talk about the window, are they better next year with Jake and Richard Ponick still here or with uh, Anthony Mantha and $3 million in their pockets or whatever, you know, Uh, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I know the trade got uh, routinely bashed around the hockey world and, you know, don't play, uh, don't answer the phone if Steve Eiserman calls and all that stuff. But uh, for my money, Mac did well here. And, uh, you know, especially given what, uh, you know, appears to have been some um, some discord between the uh, the coach and the player. Yeah. 
Agreed. Agreed. And uh, all right, let, let's let's conclude by talking about goaltending because you've been writing about it a little bit lately. And mm-hmm. in, uh, in the sense of whenever uh, Ilya Samsonov is the Caps goal is the uh, is the Caps uh, goalie any given night, the Caps seem to turn into the uh, the mid '80s Oilers. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I I mean like I, we're at the point now where these are the two goaltenders that the Caps have. Right. Like, you know, there's not going to be Lundquist isn't coming through the room and really going to magically awaken and, and solve all the Caps goaltending. And when in one fell swoop, I think we all kind of knew that wasn't going to happen, even if he did come back in all likelihood. So I guess, like, what are what do we what do we want from these two? Like, what what should be the what's a reasonable goal for the next what the Caps have 10 games left? What should we want to see from them? Do we want both of them to like look better do we want one to clearly take the goaltending job I, I i just i'm i'm struggling with what i should want out of these next time games so i'm gonna ask it to you who's smarter than me to help help me figure it out yeah well i mean you'd like to see the defense in front of them playing well uh which i mentioned earlier and then i i think what you'd like to see at, at this point from these two guys is uh making all the saves they ought to make, you know, I don't think anyone's asking them to steal games right now. No one's at this team has enough offense that that really shouldn't be, um, a, a, a expectation, a huge expectation. Exactly. A, a priority, you know, you're not, uh, it's not okay, Sammy, you, you got to stand on your head or we're not winning this one. It's, you know, it's, uh, make the saves you ought to make and we should be all right. And, uh, Unfortunately, that hasn't really been the case. You know, like you said, uh, I wrote about uh, Samsonov and, you know, over his past uh, 21 starts, past 23 games, which is more than half his uh, career in the NHL. It dates back to uh, some point in last uh, March, I think. Uh, He has an 891 save percentage and it goes against over three. And that's I mean, over that stretch, only two goalies with close to as many minutes have put up both worst save percentage and goals against average, and they're both Ottawa goalies. And, (laughs) you know, that's a shitty place to be right now. And, uh, you know, maybe it's not all on Samsonov, but, you know, if if this team was just getting average goaltending, like league average goalie goaltending – they'd be in a better spot. And I think, I think Vanacek's been pretty close to league average goaltending, uh, generally just a little bit below, but, um, you know, the thing with Vanacek and, uh, Kevin wrote about it on our site, uh, is that, you know, teams don't win in the playoffs with the kind of goaltending that the caps have had during this year's regular season. You know, most teams, they get better goaltending come playoff time. Goals are down, et cetera. You know, obviously 2018 caps, they got a little better uh, in the playoffs than they were in the regular season. Uh, but, you know, if you look at which of these goaltenders has the the potential to carry them for a deep playoff run, uh, you know, you got to look to the guy probably with the bigger upside and that's Samsonov. And so, uh, on one hand, Vanacek's been the better goalie in aggregate over the course of this year. But uh, is Vanacek's ceiling enough to really carry this team uh, through two, three, four rounds of the playoffs? I, I don't know that it is. I, I think, you know, we, we'd all love to see Samsonov uh, 
put it all together in some magical, you know, Cam Ward type run or something like that. Or, you know, maybe Vanacek has it. But again, you know, this team through the regular season uh, hasn't needed sensational goaltending. They've needed league average goaltending. And uh, they haven't necessarily gotten it uh, from Samsonov and even to an extent uh, from Vanacek, though, you know, the guy's a rookie and, you know, he he carried the team for a long time when Samsonov was out and Anderson was not uh, being used. So I don't think you can ask a ton more of Vanacek than what he's given the team this year, but I don't know that it's enough for uh, them to make any noise in the playoffs. What do yeah. you think? No, I, I mean, I think that's, I think that's right. I, it, it's tough because I mean, we talk about it. Like, I mean, Ray Emery has won a Stanley cup, right? Like, so it's not like if you have a team that, you know, can really carry it, but at the same time, do I think the caps are the 13 Blackhawks? Like, obviously not. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, you need, you need, I think the thing I keep coming back to is stability. That's really what I want, right? I don't, the Caps aren't like, aren't going to need their goalies probably to do what Tim Thomas did in 2011, right? Like I, I think they're a better team than that, but I, you know, I, I think the thing I really would like to avoid is kind of the persistent questions every night of who's going to be the goalie and who's not. Like mm-hmm. one of the beauties of Holpe's run is that it kind of just, shut everyone up about who the goalie was going to be. That was helpful, I think, to the team. It was helpful to know, like, all right, because, I mean, goaltenders do have different styles. And, like, particularly in a playoff series, coaches can adjust. And they can, you know, so having different goalies and having to adjust each way each night, depending on what the goaltending is going to be, is going to be tough. And I think that's just, that's what I want, is just some kind of stability. And right now, I don't think the Caps have it, and I would like to see them get it more. Uh, like, I think that I agree with you. Sammy definitely has the higher upside, right? I think that's that's unquestionable. He's the first-round pick. He's the guy that can, when he's on his game, can make the saves that make the three or four saves that really are going to, like, carry a team and make a, maybe make a couple that he's not supposed to. Like, that's, that's going to be good, but he hasn't shown it for any stretch of time, and— if you're in a playoff series, you can't have that happen. You can't have a guy give up like these terrible turnovers because I, like the way Trotz and the way that, you know, Sullivan and the way that uh, Cassidy can coach, that might be that might be the difference on any given night. So I think I I that's a long way of saying I just want to know who the goalie is going to be each night. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, th- this team uh there are two ways that this team can make a little noise. I, I'm not worried about the offense. Uh, I know that I probably would have said similar uh, going into the Islanders series last year, but uh, I'm I'm not particularly troubled by this team's ability to score goals. So they're, they either need the defense to get their shit back together and get average goaltending, or they're going to need – uh, one of the goalies to just completely stand on his head. And uh, there's been no indication that either of these goalies are ready to stand on their head for four out of seven uh, games. So it really is going to be give us average goaltending and defense tighten up. I mean, Sammy hasn't, I I think uh, to this point in his NHL career, he's never started three straight games. 
and you're Holy suddenly shit. gonna hope that <laughs> this guy is gonna carry you through uh, four rounds of the playoffs. That's, I mean, that's wishful thinking. Uh, you know, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm wishing for it too. But come on. Uh, yeah. So, really, I think most realistic. Uh, you asked at the beginning, what should we be hoping for? Uh, most realistic. I, I don't care which one of these guys. I'd like to see them have a. Uh, both be playing well and have that kind of goalie competition rather than one of them backing into it. Like he's been the least bad. Uh, but you know, whoever it is, uh, we need uh, the, as fans, I think, you know, the, the caps need the, um, whoever the goalie is to give, uh, average, average. They need nine ten. you know, yeah, I mean, they don't, yeah. they don't need nine forty. They need nine ten. They, yeah, they need uh, they need league average goaltending. Yeah. Um, and they, but if you're getting league average goaltending with the defense this team's been playing lately, that's not going to be good enough. And so this team needs to play better defense and get league average goaltending, and then they have a, a fighting chance. And that really shouldn't be a a lot to ask. But right now they're not getting league average goaltending or better defense. So uh, I, I think. Right now, I guess this circles back to the very first thing we were talking about. Uh, it, they're not inspiring a whole ton of confidence. Um, but any one of those things, any one of those variables can click into place and uh, they can go on another run like they did for a month and a half in uh, in February and March. And if they go for a run in, a, uh, in the middle of starting in the middle of May for a month and a half, it's going to be a pretty good month and a half. Yeah. All right. Well, JP, I have good news and I have bad news. Uh, the good news is we just had an insightful discussion on this podcast. The bad news is it went for 35 minutes. <laughs> so on the other side of this break, uh, we're going to talk about playoff matchups in a somewhat expedious manner. And uh, we'll also reflect a little bit on Nick Backstrom. So stay tuned. Welcome back to JP's Rec Radio. I'm still here with JP. And uh, JP, we got two topics left. So you tell me which one you want to do first. Do you want to talk about Backstrom or do you want to talk about playoff matchups? Uh, let's go with playoff matchups. All right. Okay. So the way we see it, uh, the way the East is right now, there's really any one of any three teams. I mean, do do you want to say the Rangers are a possibility? Because I I, no. I think it's it's pretty unlikely, right? So let's say, that. and then I think the Flyers are dead in the water, and the Caps help put them there. So yep. there's three teams, and really the Caps could play any of them. That's kind of the wild part is we're ten games left, and there's not a super clear. One, two, three, I, four. I, I think maybe you could say, okay, Boston might might end up fourth, but they have a lot of games in hand still, so we, we don't really know that yet. Uh, who, do, who do you want and who do you not want? Uh, I think I want uh, the black and gold team, and I think I don't want the Islanders. Okay, interesting. Uh, I, think, I think that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Um, I, you know... The way I see it, uh, the Caps haven't played particularly well against the Islanders the last couple times out. Um, they have not. <laughs> and, uh, of course, there was last year's playoffs, but this is this year. Uh, they, you know, it, it's always a rodeo when you play the Penguins. It, it's just, you know, the circus comes to town uh, for Sid Novi and all that crap. Uh, and then the Bruins, uh, you know... I think if you gave me a ch- my first choice, it would still be the Bruins right now. Um, but interesting, because they'd be I, my last choice. But there you go. Well, there you go. I, I think the Penguins would be, would be my second choice, and uh, save the Islanders for round two, maybe. Uh, that that's kind of 
where I am on it. But I mean, there's some uh, probably some recency bias. And I know the Caps have a couple games coming up with the Penguins and they still have the Bruins at least once. So uh, and they, and have, they have three, three. stretch in a row against they the have, Isles. Yeah, they have three against the Isles. So, I mean, th- this, the question's kind of unfair. Like, let me see how those ga- all those games play out and then I'll give all you a right. really good answer. But uh, but I, I don't <laughs> I don't. I don't necessarily have one. Like like we said earlier, you know, this is a Caps team that can uh, beat anyone or lose to anyone. And, uh, you know, I, I I don't necessarily, I, you know, I look at these four teams and I could see any one of the four coming out of the division, uh, to be honest. But uh, so it doesn't. It, it doesn't I don't really have a very, very strong uh, preference at this point. You said you least your least uh, favored team right now would be the Bruins. Uh, who would be your first pick? Well, I mean, so it's funny. I was going to say the Penguins because I you look at it and you're like, all right, like, is there is there one of these three teams that the Caps could play? Is there one kind of element of one of the teams that I think is weak and could really cost the team a series? And I was going to say, well, the Penguins goaltending, but actually the Penguins goaltending has actually been pretty good this year, uh, kind of after a really shaky start. So, you know, I I still think I'd like the Penguins. I think they're kind of a a little bit of a island of misfit toys in terms of their roster. Uh, I think they're getting some performance. Like if you look at it, like from an XG standpoint, they're not really kind of at the level of maybe the other teams, but we say this again, and we always seem to say this with the Penguins that they seem to lose half their roster every fucking year. And then every year they're always like right in second place and always a really tough out in the playoffs. Uh, You know, I still think I like, I I think the, the Penguins are maybe the most susceptible to a good Laviolette kind of playing matchups and being able to say, yeah. all right, like, you know, I, I, I think that they have enough holes that might be the most exploitable in a, in a playoff series. And I would say the Bruins to me, I think have the most talent. And I really, really, really like the way the Taylor Halls fit on that team. Uh, Cause I mean, for me, like you say, okay, Boston, like they have one really good line and then they have the Krejci line, which is fine. They have some plugs down the middle, yada, yada. Like, but I think Taylor Hall gives them two good scoring lines. And I think he's not under the kind of pressure to lead their scoring every night. I think McElvoy is having the kind of season where you could kind of say, all right, this is a guy that can really kind of take the number one matchups in a way that can really help them. And uh, I like their goaltending, frankly. I mean, their goaltending is consi- it's consistent. And I, and I think Cassidy is an excellent head coach. So I think that that's a team that when they're healthy – is really good and uh, I think scares me the most, but I can see the Islanders take. And I think we could also say, all right, like the Isles are just so consistent in what they do every night. And it's, it might be that the caps, they, it's tough because I think that the bubble stuff is, is really floating in all of our minds. And I just don't know how much to wait what happened in the bubble and what, what didn't. And I think that's kind of where I struggle on the Islanders because like analytics wise, they're actually excellent this year. Uh, and they have the, uh, you know, the, the very, the various trades they've had have kind of helped solidify the lineup. So, and I like Pelic and Pulak are excellent defenders and I, I think are really helping them. So I think that's a long way of saying, I, I don't really know, but I think the penguins have enough holes in them that maybe we could exploit. They do. Uh, and the defense also is uh, not the most impressive, uh, although Boston's been banged up on the blue line also. Uh, I mean, one thing with the Penguins is, you know, 
there would be no questions about the the Caps bringing the level of intensity from the start of games. You know yes. that 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 maybe even against the Islanders, certainly against the Bruins, there's a there's a chance that they could sort of feel Coast the way out and see yeah. what the game's going to be like and and do that kind of thing. But you know, against Pittsburgh, that they are ready to go from the get go. I mean. Yeah, I I could see him uh, matching up well against any of these teams or uh, just getting completely fed their lunch uh, if they aren't ready to go. I mean, like we said, they have uh, those three teams have uh, really good head coaches. The Islanders are are one of the most structurally disciplined teams I've ever seen. Uh, they, They just their commitment and focus and attention to detail is uh, is is probably unmatched, and um, you know their their roster isn't the most talented by any stretch. It's it's a bunch of the exact same guy. Like every it's, <laughs> it's Matt Barzell, fourth line players. <laughs> well, I mean it's Matt, Matt Barzell, and and then every fucking guy is Kyle Palmieri and Josh Bailey and Brock Nelson. They're all the same fucking dude. Maybe and, Third liners is maybe the first yeah, I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, or I mean, second, even, even yeah. you know, middle six guys. I mean, yeah. it's it's Barzal and a bunch of middle six guys, and then there are uh, three assholes on the fourth line. Uh, and, you know, does Semyon Varlamov scare the hell out of me? Not necessarily, but... You know the way that the way this team plays in front of him, he doesn't necessarily have to be uh, super every night. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could see it, but then there's there's always the other layer of the Barry Trot stuff, and you know, I'm just you know, let, let's just play some hockey. Uh, give let's go any one of these teams. Uh, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. Uh, Let's just see what the Caps can bring to it. Uh, I think they can, they can uh, do if they play their best. That there's none of these three teams should be problematic for them. No, and it, it's not like the West where you would say, all right, like it's clearly Vegas and Colorado, and uh, yeah, maybe the Wild can can do something. But like, I think it, it really it's it's four interchangeable teams with kind of a different. Rubik's cube level of uh, you know good parts and bad parts that didn't make yeah I mean whoever (laughs) whoever whoever has a good uh, 10 days is going to advance and whoever has a bad 10 days is going to go home uh, you know in those first round matchups and uh, you know you could see it being anybody Uh, I I do again worry about the Caps goaltending against these teams especially you know at least uh, of Varlamov and uh, certainly a Rask and these other guys, they, they know what the NHL playoffs are like yes. and they know what, you know, uh, uh, they Samsonov, know what they need to do. Yeah. yeah Samsonov and Vanacek, they, they don't know. And, you know, maybe not knowing is good. Maybe you go in young, dumb and stupid, uh, you know, unaware or whatever, but, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't get any more uh, crunch time than what these guys are about to face, and they haven't faced it at this level yet. So, uh, you know, take take that for what you will. That, one thing I will say about Samsonov, at least, is uh, he makes a number of dumb mistakes and uh, doesn't 
always seemed to be super phased by it. I'm not always totally sure what's going on in his head. Maybe that could be helpful in the playoffs, that kind of short-term memory, but sure. I'm not totally sure. Um, one, one, one player that has been in our memory a long time, though, is uh, Nicholas Backstrom. And... Uh, I, like I, he hit his thousandth game, and I think what's been what's been cool for me is I had Sean McAdoo on the podcast I think like a year ago, roughly, maybe two years ago. I don't totally what is time anymore. But um, I um I asked him about the Nicholas Backstrom Hall of Fame question, and I think that he kind of shrugged his shoulders as a lot of us did. I think. I don't know kind of what you've been seeing, but I think what I've been seeing a little bit is I think his Hall of Fame case seems to be solidifying a little bit in the sense that he's not going to have come particularly close to any major award, but he's just been so freaking consistent. And XG wise aside, this has maybe been like one of his best years, particularly early when the Caps needed him to really carry stretches when they were really shorthanded. So I guess kind of reflect on Nicholas Backstrom a little bit. Like, you know, do you do you see his Hall of Fame case having solidified? And kind of what do you think he's meant to the Caps? Yeah, I, I absolutely think that he is going to the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. Uh, you know, he's going to comfortably be over a thousand points. He's going to have a cup. He's going to uh, be synonymous with the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game in, in a way that like you think of famous duos uh, like Brett Hull and Adam Oates, you know, the goal scorer in his center and, you know, guys like that. Uh, he, he, I mean, what can you say about him? He's been just an absolute rock in this uh, town and for this franchise for so long. And uh, I, I think it's, it's good to see everyone coming around to realize uh, that he has put together already uh, what basically is a Hall of Fame career. Um, and, you know, he's still going he, strong. <laughs> he, he, he is. He's still putting up points. Uh, you know, I, I'll admit that I was uh, a little concerned uh, with the way he played at the end of last year. I know, you know, last year it was uh, particularly funky in the bubble and everything like that, especially for a dude who has a young family at home uh, and for a guy whose home is overseas and everything. Uh, you know, it's another topic for another time. But the way that uh, some of the European players have uh have dealt with uh, this whole past year of COVID and everything like that uh, really should be looked at a little closer because, uh, you know, with the Caps, you saw it with Orlov and Ovechkin, uh, how their game just picked up once their families came over here yes. and to be over here without that. Anyway, big digression. Uh, but <laughs> back to well, I, can, I can relate to having someone that you care about uh, in the Scandinavian area and right. not being see them as frustrated well, there you go and i mean <laughs> and, and no nick backstrom conversation would be complete without digressions into alex ovechkin so uh you know that that we, we have to uh, do our part to overshadow nick uh with alex and you know the the question it's been the the question for uh 10 years or more is like uh, you know, how much is Alex Ovechkin making uh, Nick Backstrom? How much is Nick Backstrom making Alex Ovechkin? You know, Absolutely. where where is Ovi right now if if not for Nick? You know, uh, it's an impossible question to answer. Uh, it's not a counterfactual universe in which I would like to live. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the Caps, there's a chance they didn't get Backstrom. They could have ended up with 
Phil Kessel uh, in that draft. Uh, yep. If uh, if picks went different uh, ahead of him, if Pittsburgh, someone someone who's a who is a I think a just objectively not as good of a player, but someone who has obviously dominated discussion in a way that Nicholas Backstrom himself never would want. I think no, and, and I mean to be fair, I think that Backstrom has benefited from uh, from Ovechkin's presence here. You of know, he has. It, yeah. Backstrom hasn't had to be the guy you know capital t capital g uh when you have uh, just this like supernova uh, this uh, just you know uh absorbing with its own gravity every single piece of media coverage and every single piece of media criticism uh but backstrom has i mean just been an absolute uh stalwart it it, it struck me uh the team really did right by him on in honoring his thousandth game. They did not let it uh, just go and they did not uh, let it go in anyone else's shadows. Local, yes. local sports radio, WJFK one Oh six, seven dedicated like basically the whole day of programming to Nick Backstrom. And this is, uh, you know, during the nationals season, during the never-ending Washington football team season, which is 365 <laughs> days a year for that it station. Is. The uh, Wizards are, are playing basketball right now. <laughs> uh, so I'm told. And yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, Nick Nick Backstrom is going to go down as the, the second best, second most important uh, Broadway player in this franchise's history and for good reason he's going to go to the hall of fame he's going to have his number retired in washington and uh all of it's deserved and he'll be here uh for a while because they just signed the he's on a big deal now uh so uh it's good to see that that deal the first year of that deal is uh paying off is, is paying off nicely in terms of points and uh you know I, I wish him nothing but continued success. Uh, you know, I, I think for for Caps fans, the um, the Ovechkin Baxter moment after they won the the cup, uh, it, it's like it brings tears to my eyes. I I, I legitimately cried at that point when I saw oh, yeah. these two hugging each other, just sweaty as hell, and after having done it, after having uh, gone through. 10, 11 years of just shit of, of heartbreak and criticism and, uh, you know, getting the joy of the game beaten out of you and, and to be there and to have made it there together. Uh, it, it just was the moment, uh, of all the moments. Uh, it was, uh, it was everything. And, you know, uh, that that's Nick Baxter and, uh, he is, he's just the greatest, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love Nick Baxter. So. I, I mean, one of the cool things of that moment, of course, is that he's, he need, I think it was reported after that he kind of needed Ovechkin's help even carrying the damn thing because yep. the damn cup, because yep. he played through a busted finger that had not completely healed by any stretch of the imagination when, you know, he came back sooner than, than we, than we maybe had hoped that he could. And, 
carried the team. And not only that, really gave the Caps two good lines because he, he wasn't on the same line with Ovechkin. And it really, having both of those singular talents on separate lines really prevented, I think, any of the teams from being able just to shove their best defenders at Ovechkin all the time. And that kind of diversity under the radar, you know, and versatility under the radar really, I think, is the reason we're talking about that moment. And Nicholas Backstrom, I think, is central to everything that we've enjoyed about the Caps for the last 12 years or however long he's been at Capital. And it's it's really cool. And uh, Nick, you're the best. And uh, we're, we're really happy that we've, every every day I always try to tell myself that we're really, really lucky that we get to watch Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom play hockey because that's yep. just, that's true. Yep. All right, JT, we're at 54 minutes. Uh, so uh, <sighs> yeah, we, we did it again. I It's always tricky, like, because I think it's with, with you and with uh, whatever, like we have Kevin on the podcast that we seem to run long, but it's, uh, I think, I think it was a good, insightful spirit of discussion for 55 plus minutes. So uh, with that, uh, where can people find you and uh, your various musings and your album, which I have now promoted correctly. I want that. I know. You, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's at Japers rank. Obviously you guys know that, you know, japersrank.com. It's a little website where we write about, uh, hockey in the Washington capitals. Um, and, uh, yeah, I do. I did put out a record last year, uh, called isolation station. Uh, if you want to check that out, it's on all your major streaming places. And, uh, I hope you like it and let me know if you do, uh, do not let me know if you don't, because I have a very fragile ego. <laughs> I can, uh, I can relate to that as someone who still makes jokes about one negative podcast review. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that a little bit. All right. Uh, if you like the show, uh, please rate, thrive, subscribe and review. I want to also just please do that. Like there's now a few Cavs podcasts and, I think we have a claim to being the biggest Capitals one outside of maybe one. Uh, so please like rate, write, subscribe, review, do all of those things. It really does help us find the show. Uh, you can find me at, at Greg Y underscore JR. You can find the show at, at Japers Inc. Radio. And uh, stay tuned next week. I'm not totally sure her sure or sorry. I'm not totally sure who our guest is going to be, but uh, it will be someone great, uh, even if it's just me and Adam. So uh, with that, uh, thank you for listening and uh, stay tuned for next week.